Welcome, everybody, to a Baseball America podcast, West Coast style, along with Aaron Sid in SoCal. I'm John Manuel in NorCal. It's a beautiful morning in the Golden State City, at least where I am. It's it's gray and cloudy and chilly down here this morning. That's backwards. I don't like this. <laughs> it is backwards. Uh, so the sun is so bright uh, in my hotel room here on 4th Street in San Francisco. I mean, it's, uh, it's a little disconcerting. So it's been a, it's been a wonderful weekend here in San Francisco. My only regret, Aaron, is that uh, Gonzaga was at home against San Francisco. Otherwise, I would have gone to see Marco Gonzalez against the Dons on Friday night. So uh, even though I'm here on, on WBC business, I'm still in a college baseball state of mind and uh, a good weekend of college baseball around the country this uh, this weekend. So let's just dive right into it, Tipsy. Uh, we, you know, not a ton of movement, <clears throat> excuse me, not a ton of movement at the top of the rankings, Aaron. I did want to talk about some of the series involving the top teams. I thought we'd start in the Southeastern Conference because uh, you know, we'll circle back to number one North Carolina and the ACC. But the start of conference play in the Southeastern Conference, it's a pretty big, uh, it's a pretty big series. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll linger on the longer ones. I'll just work our way down the rankings if you're good with that. Yeah, let's do it. Well, first off, Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, did, you, did you give any thought to Vanderbilt? Uh, Ascending to the top spot ahead of North Carolina, and you know North Carolina only lost one game, their first game against the uh, University of Miami at home. Uh, Vanderbilt, meanwhile, goes on the road, and Auburn is not exactly playing, uh, you know, tremendously this year. But Auburn does have some talent, and uh, I think it's always impressive when any SEC team goes on the road and sweeps another SEC team. Uh, did you think about moving Vanderbilt up, and if not, uh, what's just your general impression of the way the Commodores are playing right now? No, I didn't think about moving him up. I mean, I I think you know if you're 18 and one or 19 and one, whatever North Carolina is, and you you just won two out of three at home against Miami. I mean, I know Miami hasn't been great, but you're never going to move out of the top spot, you know, when you win your weekend series, especially against a good team like that. Um, Vanderbilt, uh, hey, they're 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 the real deal. They're a complete club. And, and give Auburn credit. I mean, Auburn had been 13 and three coming into this weekend, so actually, you know, they they got off to a decent start. Uh, and Vandy went in there and, you know, shut him down with great pitching. I mean, more Kevin Zomek and Tyler Beatty doing their things. Both those guys are 5-0. and um, Brian Miller has been uh, an assassin at the back of the bullpen. He saved all three of those games for him. Uh, I thought the, the most important thing to me this weekend was they didn't have Spencer Navin, you know, their preseason All-American catcher, uh, with a little ankle injury. And, and you know, they, they, they plug Chris Harvey in there. They don't really miss a beat. I mean, Harvey gives them some offense. He plays good defense from what I understand back there. Um, you know, he was a big-time recruit for them, let's not forget. And, uh, you know, it's nice to have that kind of depth where you can just slide a guy like that in there when you lose an All-American. feels like, Aaron, that, that Vanderbilt has had this really impressive start. They're 19-2. and There are two losses at home to Long Beach and at Oregon in a game that they were winning. They kind of gave away the game they lost at Oregon. And they've done this despite a pretty decent spate of injuries, have they not? Yeah, they've had they've been banged up here and there. I mean, they're just so deep that it hasn't really affected them. But um, you know, they've had issues at shortstop with, with with Swanson, of course, being out, and McKeithen was out for a little while, and he's back now. Um, yeah, they've they've had they've had a number of players that have been banged up. I mean, it hasn't been anything crippling. Uh, and TJ Pecoraro, I mean, Pecoraro is hurt or just ineffective. No, he has been he has been hurt as well. Though I think he's he's close to back if uh, uh, if he's not back already. I think he's he's supposed to be back soon. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but they just slide in a guy like Phil Pfeiffer on Sunday, and he's generally been pretty well for them. Uh, I didn't pitch great this, this past weekend, but, you know, they just 
they just, they're such a deep team. It's incredible. It really is. It's very impressive. And the only things I can see that, are, that would be worrisome, uh, they do walk a lot of guys. For a team that's that good, they don't give them very many hits. Their opponent's batting average on the year is 195. It's, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. But, but it does really feel like, uh, you know, despite all those injuries, they are cranking pretty close to on all cylinders. And it just feels like, you know, I, I feel like you have to give credit to those young pitchers like Kevin Zomek and Tyler Beatty. Credit, obviously, to that coaching staff. But, uh, you know, obviously Tim Corbin gets a lot of that credit. But, you know, you know, one of the things I was watching the most this year was to see how Vanderbilt's pitchers did with this switch from Derek Johnson. I think justifiably lauded throughout his career at Vanderbilt for the job he's done there with pitchers. And, and you and I have, have long liked Scott Brown when he was at St. John's. You know, the, the job he did in the New England Collegiate League as a coach, bringing along pitchers, job he did at St. John's. You know, he's kind of built his college baseball resume. But right now he's doing a hell of a job. It's, see, from afar, it sure seems that he's doing a hell of a job with the pitchers at Vanderbilt. I agree with you. I, I mean, you know, and I'm not surprised. Um, right. But he's, he's been able to get to help, you know, Zomek and, and – and B unlocked their potential. And that was the biggest question mark. I thought Vanderbilt was number two instead of number one in the preseason. We didn't have a lot of questions about Vandy, but the one question we had was, can these guys pitch up to their potential? I mean, you compare them with UNC, and you got three achievers in the rotation, you know, three guys that had ERAs under two last year versus, you know, Zomek and, and, and Beattie, who are probably more talented than UNC's starters, uh, but hadn't done it yet. And, and now they've done it. Now they're really performing. Even though Beattie's walked some guys, I mean, he's he's, you know, his stuff is so good that he could he could pitch around that stuff and uh, and still dominate. He's giving up more walks than hits. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. He's giving up 16 hits and 32 innings. Uh, it's, it's it's amazing. Uh, Vanderbilt very impressive. I'm very impressed with Vanderbilt. And if you were around three years ago, you remember like from the first couple of weekends uh, of Tony Kemp's career, Aaron Sid talking about how awesome Tony Kemp was. What a spark plug, dynamic. That guy's hitting 442. There's a better leadoff man in the country. I don't know who he is. Tony Kemp. Uh, one of the players I want to start my college baseball team with, Tony Kemp. That guy's yes. electric. He's a leader. He's dynamic. Second base, center field, whatever. I love Tony left Kemp. Field. I'm converted. More, I don't know that he's ever played center field. He played left field his freshman year and then second base. But, I mean, you're right. The point is he's, he's versatile, um, and he's, he is dynamic, and he's a Great teammate. Everybody loves him. How, how can you not love Tony Kemp? He's awesome. I know. All fit. Getting ready to be all fit for the third year in a row. I do wish that he cut down on the cut stealing. Been caught eight times out of 18 tries. So. Yeah. Clean it up. Clean it up, Tony Kemp, six. Um, moving down our rankings in the SEC, Aaron, um, I guess the, the series that really we need to talk about the most is Mississippi State LSU. Uh, LSU wins the series in Starkville. They've owned – Mississippi State in recent years, and the crazy thing is that uh, it just got ugly there, and uh, setting a little bit of the scene, correct me if I have the details wrong, but Mason Katz there had a big weekend, uh, three home runs in the first two games, including the game winner in the 10 game on Friday night, correct? Yep. And uh, Kendall Graveson, a, a senior right-hander for Mississippi State, veteran member of the weekend rotation, throws the first pitch when he sees Katz behind Katz's head on Sunday, does not get tossed out of the game, which seems really strange for college baseball. 
And clearly it was intentional from everyone there. Graveman basically admits it after the game. So we'll see if the FTC takes any disciplinary action. Uh, just for Major League Baseball, when the guy admits that he threw another guy, he gets suspended. Remember Cole Hamels with Bryce Harper? Right. So there's, exactly. there's some, there's a very recent big league pre- precedent if Mike Silva and the guy the, uh, SEC want to take any action. But Mississippi State going to win that game. And the bad blood just spilled out. And it sounds like Aaron, that Palmineri and John Cohen have never really been BFS here. But, uh, but that got heated. And I guess, so the, the first takeaway is LSU going on the road, winning a road series against a very talented team and a team that had them playing fairly well. But now it's flipped up two weekends in a row. Um, what does it say more about, in your mind, LSU and their ability to go on the road, or are you more concerned about Mississippi State having lost two straight series at home to Central Arkansas and now to the Tigers? You know, I'm, I'm actually still not concerned about Mississippi State. And, and you know, I, I know they lost two series in a row at home. Um, you know, but I just, I just, I still believe in their talent. I mean, they lost a 10 inning game on Friday. They came back Sunday, and, and you know, Cruz really do a win against Mississippi or LSU rather. So I mean, that could have very easily been. You know they win two out of three. I mean it's it's baseball, and you know it's it's a, it's a game that turns uh, an inning here or there. Um, I still think this team's playing good baseball. You know they're 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 pitching well. I mean Jacob Lindgren it was great to see him back and, and perform this weekend um, on Friday. You know if you had that injury, nice to have Wes Ray back in the lineup. I mean they are their offense is definitely better. I'm I'm not worried about them. I mean they've lost two weekends in a row. They're going to be there at the end. They're going to be in Omaha, John. Take that to the bank. Um, not <laughs> I love it. You know, I can't wait to see Hunter Renfro make TD Ameritrade look small. <laughs> That's right. He's, he's one of the guys who could do it. But, um, but you know, you got to give LSU credit going on the road and, and I think winning that series and showing, you know, showing how good they are. I mean, I, I think I, I wrote it in, in, in weekend preview last week. I just I feel like this is a very complete LSU team now. They've gotten the answers they needed. And, of course, as soon as I wrote that, Cody Glenn goes out and, and struggles on Sundays. So he, maybe he's, you know, it's one thing to, to, to win a few games on Sundays in the, in the pre-conference schedule against LSU's pre-conference schedule, and it's another thing to, to win on Sundays in the SEC. Um, so that's still something to monitor going forward. But obviously Nola and Eads are just front-line, one-two punch. Mason Katz is uh, one of the best college power hitters out there, and, you know, nobody hits a fastball better than that guy. I've heard scouts say that before, and, you know, he showed it this weekend. He can crush a ball. Uh, he's locked in. Got a bunch of home runs, nine home runs already. Um, you know, I, I like that team up and down the lineup. Uh, they're playing really good defense. Um, you know, and, 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 and I, think, I, I like I like when, when tensions simmer over a little bit in a rivalry series like this. And, you know, I, I understand why Palmineri was upset. Sounds like Mississippi State was pretty unapologetic about that whole thing. Um, you know, there's another quote from from Wes Ray saying, "Hey, we're not going to back down from anybody. We're going to set the tone for the weekend." I mean, they 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 didn't you know <laughs> they didn't back down from this stuff. And and uh, uh, Maneri had some choice words for him, you know, and he, he, he made the it. point. So hey, he made the point. I, I understand why they're frustrated. We beat them every year. You know, that's got to get old. Uh, I you love know it. I, mean? I love it. You, you know, you don't hear Palmineri talking like that too often. So it just shows you this is this is a pretty heated rivalry right now. I love the competitiveness. I love the chippiness <laughs> from afar. <laughs> from afar, I like the chippiness. Like you said, you know, it's good to see the competition that it compete that much. But I will say this to quote JJ Cooper: "You don't throw at a dude's head," and uh, that that. 
that's the only part I wonder about from Mississippi State. Where's the leadership on this team? Because it's good. You know what? If you want to do it, the way you do it is you drill them in the, you know, uh, to, to, I, I'll sound like tra- training day. I won't say the word, but like where Jake uh, gets Denzel and he drills them in the, in the, in the hindquarters. You know, that's how you do it. You throw at them, but you throw them in the lower back. You drill them. You don't just throw behind them. You drill them, but you do it, you don't do it at his head. And the whole problem with it is this is an amateur pitcher. And if he's told or even takes it upon himself to throw at somebody, you might get a, uh, uh, Ben Christensen situation where, uh, well, Ben Christensen, I think, was obviously throwing at the guy, <laughs> Indiana State, back in 1999. He drilled, he drilled him in the eye, Anthony Molina. He ruined his career, you know, blinded him for life in one eye. So, Kendall Graveman probably doesn't have throw as hard. I know he doesn't throw as hard as Ben Christensen, but these are amateur pitchers and they don't have the control to put a ball exactly where they want it. So that's why I don't ever really think it's advisable for a guy to throw, try, try to put a guy's head who's an amateur pitcher because it probably, chances are they won't execute it properly. Um, but I, I, I think, uh, to me, there's a better way to do this if you're Mississippi State. But like, the, the journalist in me thinks it's a little irresponsible and a little childish and a little too old school. The fan in me thinks it's awesome. <laughs> so I'm talking on both sides of my mouth. Uh, I sound like I sound like Bill Simmons talking about PED. There's fan me and there's uh, there's journalist me. But uh, but I am fired up about the SEC teams. And that's what I, to me that heated rivalry is a great way for SEC play to have started. Welcome to SEC play, Missouri. They lose a home series to South Carolina in their introduction of the Southeastern Conference. Uh, I guess real quick here in the story on, on South Carolina is Nolan Belcher. I mean, yeah. this guy this guy feels like he's been there forever. Uh, is he a fifth-year or sixth-year player? I think it's fifth-year, yeah. It's, it's been a long time, <laughs> and this is the best he's ever pitched. I mean, this scoreless streak he's got going right now, uh, he moves up up a day into that Saturday spot this week and just more of the same, you know, just pounding the strike zone. He's got like 36 strikeouts and one walk, I think, on the season. I mean, that that's that tells the story right there. His stuff is a little bit better than it was before. Uh, got that plus change up and a little, little more tick of velocity on the fastball. Um, you know, between him and, and Evan Beal, those first two days, you know, they've been able to, to get by without Jordan Montgomery. Um, and then on Sunday, you know, South Carolina just kind of got shut down. I mean, Missouri pitched pretty well in this series. Um, you know, Keaton Seals went out of the bullpen and, and gave him great work on Sunday uh, after Alex Rash didn't get Alex Rash didn't get out of the third inning. But um, you know, Rob Zestrizny, the, the staff ace from Missouri, pitched well in that opener. Struck out ten guys over seven innings and took the loss. And then, um, you know, I mean, they only gave up two runs uh, on, on on Saturday with Brett Page on the mound. So. Missouri held their own in this series, but South Carolina is, is an elite pitching and defense team, and you know they win series like this. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty tough way for Missouri to open SEC play, having to play against the uh, two-time, uh, three-time uh, finalists and the prior two-time champions uh, in South Carolina. Meanwhile, Texas A&M and Aaron just on the same vein, not in our top 25, but they go uh, start conference play against Georgia and. Uh, not looking good for the Fighting Bulldogs, uh, for Jim Callis and J.J. Cooper U. Um, Georgia's now 8-12, and 0-3 in the league. Vultures are circling in Athens. Yeah, I imagine so. I mean, it's going to be a rough year for Georgia. I mean, it's just 
they're young and I don't I don't love their their talent level, frankly. I mean I, I like some of their young talent, but I mean their, right. their upper class talent is, is a leave something to be desired and this league is just so good. I mean I think I think Georgia has a chance to win a series next week at home against Alabama. I mean, they need to they need to do it. I mean that's a that is a must win series at home against Alabama next weekend. Uh after that though, I mean you're talking about at Kentucky uh, you know the schedule. I guess you know you got Missouri coming in after that. I mean they've got a couple of winnable series at Auburn. Um, you know they, they could be all right, but then the second half of the schedule is, is tough. It is, and like you said, it's not that I, I think they have pretty decent talent. It's just all in the freshman and sophomore class. It's just a tough way um, to try a t- tough road to hoe uh, when you haven't been to regionals in a couple of years. You've had all the bad luck they've had in recent years, and they've had a lot of bad luck. They've had more than their share. Um, so. Uh, kudos to the Aggies for entering the Southeastern Conference uh, play with a, with a home sweep. Uh, real quick, Aaron, Ole Miss at Arkansas. Ole Miss wins again. Uh, the, the Rebels are playing tremendously. They got a, a little of the best start of the year, numbers-wise, from Bobby Wall in terms of his results. Um, and they, they win, you know, win a series on the road in one of the country's best atmospheres. to 20 and two. Uh, best start after 20 games in the well, in program history. I mean, this is right. Ole Miss doing pretty. Ole Miss doing pretty well. Yeah, they're 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 really good. I mean, you know, and and I watched the game on Sunday on on ESPN three, um, and the thing that struck me was just how athletic they are defensively. You know, and we wrote about it in the preseason. Um, we thought they were going to be an elite defensive team in addition to being a very good pitching team. So we thought they'd be, you know, really good at run prevention. Uh, and and that that struck me on 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 Sunday, just watching you know Preston Overby make some some great plays at second base, and you know they played great in the outfield. I mean they got so much range, so much speed out there uh, with two guys on the corners with Will Jamison and, and and Tanner Mathis, who you know like those guys could be center fielders in a lot of places. Um, they they just they make plays, you know, and and it helps when you can pound the strike zone, knowing your defense makes plays behind you. And, you know, they, they got guys like, like Tanner Bailey came out of the bullpen on Sunday and, and pounded the zone for, you know, five innings and, and uh, he didn't walk anybody, struck out nine guys. I mean, he, he looked pretty good. He had a good changeup going and uh, worked downhill. I mean, that, that's a that's a nice veteran bullpen with, with Greenwood, with Bailey, and Huber back there. Yeah, they've been fine without even Houghton Buchanan, who's, who's supposed to be, and, and, and Jacob Wagesbach. I mean, those are supposed to be two of their, their guys, their, their young arms that were really counting on the bullpen. They've been hurt, hadn't really missed a beat. Um, so, you know, they're much deeper on the mound this year than they had been. Um, they showed toughness, you know, on Sunday after losing that game, getting blown out on Saturday. Uh, then they had the lead in the seventh inning. They blow the lead Sunday. They come back in the eighth and tie it, and then they, they you know, they win it uh, in, in the 13th. I mean, I, think, I thought they showed a lot of character. Um, I think they're, they're a very good club. I think you nailed it. Uh, no no further comment, Your Honor. Uh, here in the... Uh, Arkansas and Mississippi State, we moved those teams down our rankings. Mississippi State down to 19, Arkansas 21. Uh, we talked about Mississippi State. Any more concerns about Arkansas? Uh, some of their defense kind of let them down Sunday. Yeah, they did not play great defense that Sunday. That said, they, they made some, some standout plays defensively Sunday as well. I mean, it was uh, one of those days. Um, but, you know, I don't know, five errors is a little bit of a concern. I mean, um I don't know. I'm still not really worried about Arkansas. You know, I mean, this is a series again, like like with Mississippi State, they could have easily won it. I mean, look, they had they had the lead in the eighth inning on on Sunday. You know, they played 13 innings. I mean, they had opportunities. You know, I mean, it's not like 
they were very far off from winning the series. If they won the series, they'd be looking to move them up in the rankings instead of moving them down. So, uh, right. I know they've had they've had two bad weekends. There are question marks for this team. They need to get Ryan Stanek right. Um, but you know, they need to get their offense going as well. And, and I think Dominic Ficcicello, whenever he gets back to full strength, that'll make a big difference. I mean, it will. He's supposed to be the centerpiece of their lineup. Um, you know, I, I think, he, that I think that's, 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 that's a short version, really, Aaron. I mean, like Arkansas. Two guys, when you look from outside, besides the bullpen, the two guys that you really looked at from the outside and said, here's the, the bell cows, here's the guys who are, you know, when they get to Omaha, here's the guys who are going to have led them there. Uh, they're Spartacus. <laughs> they're Spartacus on the mound, was supposed to be Stanek, and they're Spartacus in the lineup, was supposed to be Dominic Ficicello. And Ficicello's been hurt most of the year, and Stanek, I don't know if it's the short stride or the arm action or what, but. He's just not getting it done. So those two, those two guys who are supposed to be their dudes just aren't doing it. That's kind of a, and I'm, I'm oversimplifying for the sake of the podcast. That's kind of a, that's kind of the short version of the story, isn't it? I think that's the bottom line. I think once those guys perform up to their their ability, you know, and 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 in Ficicello's case, it's just a matter of getting that oblique healthy. I mean, right now, I guess he can hit from the right side. He doesn't feel comfortable hitting from the left side yet. Um, you know. Once he's healthy, I, I still believe in that guy's bat, and he can hit. Um, he will yeah. hit. And, and, and Stanek has been a slow starter through, throughout his career at Arkansas. And he, he typically, you know, you see him in Hoover, he's, he's probably going to be lights out. That's how he's been in, in his first two seasons. He's been really good at the end of the season. So uh, I don't know why he's a slow starter. You know, he's a northern kid. Um, he should be used to the weather. But, uh, you know, for whatever reason, it just takes him a little bit of time, it seems like. He should have known this was a World Baseball Classic year and started spring training a little early. <laughs> hey, Aaron, one last SEC series, Kentucky and Florida. And, uh, you know, this year these things are reversed in basketball. Florida has won the SEC uh, regular season. They lost in the SEC tournament game, but I believe the highest seed in the NCAA basketball tournament in basketball, I mean, in, in the, out of the SEC. And Kentucky is out of the tournament playing a road game in the NIT at Robert Morris. Here in baseball, they're flipped as well. Florida has been to uh, Omaha three years in a row. Kentucky's never been. Kentucky goes to Florida in baseball on the road, and um, you know made it. I don't know they made it look easy, but they won the series and they pound Jonathan Crawford, who's in real free fall. Yeah. The Gators are nine. The Gators are nine and twelve. Um, first off, in Kentucky. I mean, I guess it's kind of, this is really no surprise what they do. They have one of the nations. If, if Tony Kemp's not the best leadoff man in the country, Austin Cousineau is. Um, you know, Kentucky gets a deep left-handed rotation. Uh, Corey Luttrell's pitching great. And, uh, you know, Kentucky, this, this is what we expected, right? Kentucky, we just we thought Kentucky would go to Florida and win this series. You know, yeah, I mean, I was I was on some radio shows last week, and people asked me who I thought was going to win that series, and, yeah, I said Kentucky. I mean, they're, I think they're just a better team, and that, that's it. I mean, I know they were on the road. Usually, you know, in the SEC, you, you like the home series, but this weekend the road teams did pretty well in the SEC. Um, and, and in this case, I just thought it was it was a clear case of Kentucky's better. You know, they're they're more experienced. Um, their pitching is, is, is more reliable. I mean, Florida uses a, a guy, who a freshman who had been in the bullpen all season, makes his first start of the year on Friday, and he gave them their best outing. Uh, it's the first Friday game they've won all year. You know, and after that, I mean, I don't know what's going on with Jonathan Crawford. I need to, I need to 
I'll see those guys on Friday. I'll try to get some more answers about Crawford. I thought I was going in to see a great matchup between Zomek and, and Jonathan Crawford on a Friday night, and it looks like it's going to be Zomek against the freshman Jay Carmichael because Crawford just has not won a game yet. He's 0-3. Uh, he's not, you know, I don't even think he struck anybody out on Saturday. Just, just a lackluster, blah start. He struck out two. I mean, give yeah. him five runs. It's just, I don't know what's going on for, with the Gators. For right a guy now. with that... For a guy with that kind of quick arm and that kind of yeah. slider that he's shown in the past, he's been so lights out. A uh, heck of a time he could draft Ivis. I mean, uh, yeah, right. you, you look at a Florida, Aaron, they've lost a series of Kentucky to start league play. Does it get any easier if they go to Vanderbilt? Home to Ole Miss, at Mississippi State, home to South Kakalaka. And when they get, when they get a team that's not a protected regional team, they're at Missouri, which we just, we just talked about was very tough. The only series that you can look at in the first half of the season where you say, here's a series that on paper they should win is at home to Tennessee. And then the other series they have, that on paper you look at and say they should win, home to Tennessee, home to Auburn, at Georgia. And even at Georgia and at Missouri, those are dicey. Those are 50-50 propositions for me. So I don't think Florida is going to regionals. I'll say it right now. I don't think they're going to regionals. So I don't think I'm panicking when I say that. You're not panicking. It's a perfectly reasonable um, position to arrive at at this point in the season, you know, and, and, and I don't know if I'm quite there yet just because I have so much faith in, in this coaching staff and I I still like some of their players, but, boy, they need to get it figured out fast. Uh, and, and the schedule is going to be hard, like you said. I mean, they might not. They might not make a regional. I mean, it's it's become a very right now. It's probably you know the Vegas probably has it leaning against them making a regional. Um, it, where, where's the sports book that's uh, that's <laughs> that's got college baseball odds? And have, are, are you on their payroll? <laughs> uh, we need to we need to discover that place and uh... we sure as heck do and get on the payroll. So baseball America podcast. Everyone will bet against us. Uh, so Baseball America podcast with John and, uh, and, and my, my main man, Sipsy. Aaron, uh, you, you mentioned uh, faith in coaching staffs. Uh, two ACC teams, I think, in which we have uh, big-time faith in the coaching staff. Lost their first games over the weekend, Florida State and North Carolina. Let's start with the Seminoles. I don't feel like we've talked a ton of Seminoles on this podcast yet this year. Uh, I know that there's probably no coaching, no, no head coach, that in the regular season, you should have more faith in, and I have to qualify that in the regular season, than Mike Martin, this team is a 45-50 to 50 win machine every year. This program, not this team, this program. And they go on the road against a, a tough Maryland team, a scrappy Maryland team. Yeah. Pretty good week. Pretty good week on the road for the Seminoles to go. Win the, win the grudge match with Florida in the middle of the week. And they own, they've owned Florida at times. In recent, was that last year or two years ago they beat Florida four times in the midweek? Yeah, two years ago. Two years ago. And then at Maryland, uh, they lose their first game, but they win the series, and a tight series, a couple of one-run games. Feels like that's a good thing for the Seminoles. They really uh, they pitched well, Aaron. They pitched better I mean, than we thought they would this year, especially without the oh, who, oh, the Compton who got the – yeah, had the Tommy John surgery. Uh, Scott Sips has really been pretty solid for them this, uh, this year. I know he got knocked around a little bit um, this weekend, but still pitched well. I'm impressed with Florida State. They too have new offensive leadership as well. I mean, a lot of turnover. They're doing this without Justin Gonzalez, the shortstop who has a season-ending injury. Uh, talk a little bit about the Seminoles and what's allowed them to to get off to this uh, amazing start. 
Well, you know, first of all, if we hadn't talked about them much in the podcast this year, it's because uh, of their schedule. I mean, you know, right. it's the first time it's the first time they've left home this season, and um, they didn't play a very strong non-conference schedule, so it was hard to know just how good they were. Um, you know, we we, we kind of had questions more about their their offense. I feel like than their pitching coming into the season. Uh, we thought with with um, with Lee Brandt and Compton and Sites in the rotation, you'd have three pretty good, pretty reliable guys there. And then they lose Compton. Um, Sites has been good in that number two role. You know, he kind of emerged down the second half last season. And if you recall, he pitched very well in Omaha. Um, got a good little breaking ball. He competes. Um, you, you know, he and he and Lee Brandt are a solid little one-two punch. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not Nolan Eats. I mean, we're not talking about guys with with right. stuff here, but they're good college pitchers. Um, and you know, the Sunday starter's been up and down a little bit. Peter Miller, he's got, he's probably got the best stuff of that group. Um, but uh, you know, you talked about the the, the lineup. Um, you know, I like some of these newer players now. DJ Stewart and Marcus Davis, a couple of newcomers that have made impacts, and uh, um, you know, those guys can both hit and they're physical. Um, Jose Brizuela's had a big sophomore year so far. I mean. Uh, I, I like I like this lineup. I mean, they they hit every year. They're, they're hitting this year. I mean, how about Giovanni Alfonso stepping into that shortstop job for for Gonzalez, and he's played pretty well. It looks like so. This was a nice series for them. I mean, I, I do think Maryland is a scrappy team. Um, you know, they seem like the kind of club that could compete for a regional. Um, they've got some experience. They've got some some decent talent there too. Um, they played Virginia Tough last week as well on the road. So um, that, that's a you know that's the first road test for Florida State, and, and they handled it. I mean, people aren't going to be blown away by the fact that they really have right a. Uh, feel, feels like Florida State. Uh, the issue to watch for them going forward is you know they are having to do third place a senior shortstop. So we'll see how you know Giovanni Alfonso plays going forward. Florida State's giving up a lot of unearned runs. Um, but they also have uh, – I, I like their weekend rotation, even without confidence. Like you said, like the – is it Sykes? Sykes has pitched very well. And, and I like their bullpen one-two punch of Weaver and uh, Gage Smith. You know, you know I'm a sucker for a low-slot guy like Gage Smith. And Luke Weaver's kind of this moment of truth. You can just see him being a guy – it's very conceivable that Florida State gets to Omaha. You can see Luke Weaver being a guy who – had a couple of saves in postseason play and started a game on two days rest and a regional final and got the win. You know, I mean, right. he could he just say he's a Swiss Army knife for Mike Bell, uh, their pitching coach, to use and deploy when necessary. And the Martins, father and son, so good at teaching that hitting approach, that patient approach that Florida State is known for. Everybody walks there. Stephen McGee, I guess, is the obvious version. What was his ratio last year? Like 50 to 20, 60 to 20 right. strikeout, a walk to strikeout kind of doing it again this year, and you've added a little punch, a nice offensive two-way catcher for them to have. So a lot of nice pieces at Florida State, like you said, I think you nailed it. Really wasn't a great reason to talk about them before this year because of the uh, – before this week because of the week's schedule. Uh, Aaron, I, I think, Johnny, one more thing. I mean, you mentioned Weaver. Yeah. I wonder if, if Weaver will wind up, you know, working his way into that Sunday role at some point because he he's been pitching midweek. He pitched very well, six and a third innings uh, against Florida – Last week, um, you know, I, I think he, he might be more consistent at this point than, than Peter Miller on Sunday. So it might be something to keep an eye on. Definitely something to keep an eye on. I'm going to take you back off speaker. <laughs> so we're doing a little uh, thrill podcast here on the West Coast. Aaron, real quick, uh, so we got so we have to do the uh, got to do the Google Hangout here soon. Um, North Carolina, uh, tough tough basketball loss for them against uh, Miami. Miami. 
ACC regular season and tournament championship in basketball. And at the same time, the basketball ACC tournament championship is going on. A pretty dramatic college baseball game going on in Chapel Hill between North Carolina and Miami. Rubber game of a series. As you detailed in weekend preview, Miami has just owned North Carolina in baseball lately, due in part to their left-handedness on the mound and North Carolina's predominant left-handedness uh, at the plate. And a pretty dramatic way for North Carolina, our number one team, um, you know, to to win the series with uh, right now, I'd say mid-season freshman of the year, not mid-season yet, but Sky Bolt. They intentionally walked Colin Moran, who was having a big weekend, intentionally walked Colin Moran with a go-ahead run at second and to, to pitch the Sky Bolt and the switch-hitting freshman from uh, the Atlanta area. It's a three-run homer to win that game for North Carolina. I was impressed with Miami going up there and, and competing. They've now lost two straight series to open ACC play. They're starting to get a, you know, they don't ride the ship. They're going to be a little bit in the regional danger zone. But uh, talk a little bit about North Carolina, what they did right this weekend to, to win that series against the Canes. Well, you know, I mean, they, 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 they persevered against those lefties. And Miami threw three more lefties at them. And, you know, I, I thought it was, uh, uh, it was dubious strategy, frankly, for, for, um, Miami to walk Moran with a lefty, A.J. Salcines, on the mound there in the eighth inning. Um, you got a left-on-left matchup, and you, you, I know Colin Moran's great, but you walk him to, to pitch to a dangerous right-handed hitter, I, I don't get that. I mean, I questioned it at the time, and, and I, you know, did. North Carolina took advantage. I mean, Bolt is, is good. Um, but, you know, we talked a lot about North Carolina. I don't think we need to talk more about them. Uh, but Miami has now lost, you mentioned, two straight weekend series in conference play. Before that, they lost a series at, at Florida. So they've lost three straight series. Um, they're, you know, they, they played all right this weekend. Um, but, you know, they're they're still they're not off to a great start. They're clearly not a top 25 team or close to it right now. Uh, they got some things to figure out. But the, the other thing I wanted to talk about, John, before we wrap this thing up is, is Oregon State. It feels like UNC and Oregon State, I mean, how often uh, over the years have we talked about those teams in the same breath? Uh, they're, they're, yeah. they're linked together. But you know, right now, I mean, hey, these, those teams could be on another another Omaha collision course. Uh, the Beavers going down to Tucson this weekend and sweeping that series to me. Uh, that's a state that is impressive. That is hashtag impressive. You know, this team, to me, I, I thought it coming into the season we had them as a preseason pick in, in the in the Pac-12, but didn't necessarily know if there was a huge separation between any of those top four teams, you know, UCLA, Stanford, Oregon. Uh, right now I think it's Oregon State and then everybody else. I mean, I just I'm with you. They're they're so complete. Um, you know, we, we've talked we talked a good deal about them on the podcast this year too, about how dangerous they are in the middle of the lineup. And Michael Conforto's uh, in that in that group with Bryant and Peterson and you know Moran. I mean, is among the best hitters in college baseball. He's such a difference maker in the middle. Um, they're, they're they got so much pitching. They play great defense. They, they grind you. They do everything well. They're a great college baseball team. I'm, I'm glad you brought up Oregon State here. And uh, last two things before we wrap up, just very quickly. Aaron, before we wrap this up, we talked about the let's, let's talk about the new teams we brought in at the back of the rankings. We brought in Central Arkansas for the first time. Uh, we brought in Virginia Tech. They've been in the rankings pre- previously, and now they're back. And then we brought in San Diego. And you mentioned Chris Bryant. Uh, besides playing center field and uh, when Louis Leckich pitches and uh, uh, saving cats out of trees, uh, what else is Chris Bryant doing? He just seems like he does everything for that team. I guess he doesn't pitch. Otherwise, Chris Bryant is carrying the Toreros on his back. Yeah, it's been 
something to behold down there. Um, you know, they're 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 just buzzing about this guy right now. I mean, three home runs for, uh, Thursday, including a walk off, and then another walk off on on Saturday. I mean, he's got uh, what's he got? Eleven homers or twelve in his last thirteen games? Something bonkers like that. I mean, he's just out of this world. Um, him and Peterson, you know, I mean, they're just both these guys. Uh, if you had to pick a, a you know a player of the year at this point. It's hard to argue with either one of those guys. They're just both playing at such an elite level. Uh, and it's neat to see elite talents perform to that level. And, and uh, you know, Chris Bryant doing it in, in the thick air of San Diego, I mean, it's not a, it's not a very hitter-friendly environment, you know, like, like Peterson plays in. Uh, that's loud what he's doing down there. It is. It's uh, really impressive to see and uh... – yeah, I, I, I'm I'm still stunned that he played center field <laughs> when they need him to. I, mean, I guess it's a good look for scouts because he's probably going to play in the outfield in the pro ball. But, you know, Colin Moran's having a nice year. He's got a slug in 583. He's the best player, uh, you know, along with Sky Bolt on the number one team in the country. Chris Bryant wears the same shade of blue <laughs> all the way across the country. Uh, I would shudder to think of what Colin Moran would look like playing center field. <laughs> and Bryant, I know Bryant has more walks. He's been walked 26 times, and so he's being patient. And he's got three times as many home runs, and he's slugging 986. I mean, I know you can't just go by the numbers, but Chris Bryant looks the part, and he's performing at an extremely high level. I think if you had to take one hitter in the country right now, you have to take Chris Bryant. So, yeah, um, that's uh, that, that's the short version. So, Aaron, we're going to um, do a little quick Google Plus Hangout. And uh, if you have questions for us all the time, uh, obviously there's an abbreviated podcast this week. You can always tweet at us. He's at Aaron Fit. I'm at John Manuel BA. Uh, and you, you, know, you have to sift through all the World Baseball Classic tweets for me on my new Japanese followers. Aaron went over 9,000 followers last night. Very excited. Uh, I think I picked up 30 followers in a minute after I tweeted about Japan's manager's reaction to his double steal attempt in the eighth inning, which was uh, impossible to explain in any language. So uh, <laughs> if you also uh, if you have questions for the podcast, podcast at baseballamerica.com is that email address. For Aaron Fitt, I am John Manuel. We'll see you next time on the next Baseball America College podcast. So long, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.